0: There's a huge amount of attention and focus on climate-related issues at the moment, and the maritime industry is definitely caught up in this topic as well. How are we going to meet the IMO's incoming regulations for 2030, 2050 and beyond? In this edition of Which Is Why, we'll be talking with Reta Kaila and Sebastian Bloanus, both of whom are responsible for technology development and innovation in Vercilis' marine business. Reta comes at this topic from the fuels angle, while Sebastian is looking at the power supply. We'll be delving into what the current situation is, what options we have as an industry to tackle decarbonisation, and what do we need to keep an eye on for the future. My name is Banu Kanu, and I'll be your host for this edition of Which is Why. So, let's crack into it. Reta, tell us a little bit
1: about yourself, please. Yes, hi. Thank you, Vanu. My name is Reta Kaila, and I've been with Wärtsilä for nine years. I'm located in Helsinki. Back in the days when I joined Wärtsilä, I was developing new technologies for recovering wasted gas streams and turning them into fuel gas. Um, In the last three years, I've been selling the LNG, liquefied natural gas fuel gas supply systems to various segments in shipping, mainly in North Europe and Asia. And that was the point when actually our customers were asking also for even cleaner fuels than LNG. And this is when I started to investigate also the market's availability and technologies for alternative fuels, which is why I'm here today.
0: Great, thank you. And Sebastian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background?
2: I sure can, Banno. Thank you. So I'm Sebastian Blavannes. I work out of the uh, the Drunen office in the Netherlands in Versla and I've I've been with Versla now for eight years, roughly, and um, always in, in, uh, let's say, the innovation side of R&D. So trying new things, figuring out what what doesn't work. How can we make engines more efficient? How can we make them more reliable? How can we make them cheaper still? so I've got eight years in, in, under my belt in, in, uh, in that respect. And then before that, actually, maybe also interesting to know is that um, I did a lot of project management in the automotive industry um, with a, a very specific focus on low emission technology and also the legislation to sort of drive uh, emissions down even further. So I, I know a bit about that as well um, and, and, and a bit of a confession as well. I mean, we're talking about sustainability and lower emissions, but I, I need to confess that I actually own Ford cars. Um, but the good news is that at least one of those is, is a plug-in hybrid car, so that, that doesn't really count. Um, <laughs> one of them also runs on gas as a fuel, uh, and the other ones are, are roughly 50 years old each. So so they more or less are sustainable by definition. But that's that's me.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much. Reta. any confessions from you on your sustainable
1: habits or lack thereof? <laughs> on my habits? Uh, well, I think I'm a scientist by heart. And... Um, I have various topics that I get interested in, and of course, this climate change is one of those. And if I get interested, then I just need to dig deeper until I have solved the the problems and have a full picture. And these uh, subjects uh, might vary between history or arts or science, uh, from Russian czar family to impressionism. So, yeah, climate change is one of those.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay, so maybe we'll start with you, Denreta. If you can set the context for us um, on on these issues, you know, what does decarbonizing the marine industry actually look like today?
1: Yeah, I think here we are facing a true dilemma because um, the climate crisis is, of course, a a global crisis, and each and everyone's business and life is uh, affected by that. And shipping has a share of 3%. Um, to tackle with. But then I think the big question is how can we reduce the global CO2 emissions of shipping but at the same time also allow our markets still to increase and um, not stop the global trade. So I think this is the big uh, challenge we have and um, we have to look into energy consumption, how to reduce that, how to cut base, how to improve the efficiency of shipping. And um, it was actually quite interesting in the weekend. Um, over the weekend, I looked uh, on a video from the daily show in U.S. that was linked to me by, by Facebook, and um, there Greta Thunberg was interviewed. And I think she quite uh, nicely explained the severity of this climate crisis, because she mentioned that um, in early 2018, the global CO2 budget that we can emit was um, 420 gigatons in order to limit the temperature rise to 1.5 degrees. And today, we have uh, reduced or spent the budget already to a level of 360 gigatons. And that means that we have only 8.5 years left. And I think that was um, eyes opening also for me, and uh, therefore, we need to act now. Uh, We have to implement the technologies and the fuels that are available today. We have to use all the big data uh, for route optimization, installing systems for fuel flexibility, anything that we come up with. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned that we we account for 3%, but then when we listen to Greta Thunberg's uh, observations, it sounds like every percent counts. So we've got to take responsibility in the marine industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good. So, Sebastian, uh, what what actually, you know, future fuels and uh, options do we do we actually, you know, do we have in reality? And, and what why, you know, would you narrow it down to these options?
2: Well, it's good that you mentioned reality here, uh, Bano, and also wanted to tag along with the previous point on, on having to act now. And um, both of those combined actually means that we need to look at technologies which, actually available and and are proven technologies you know things we can actually do today at the same time we shouldn't stop searching for for, um, solutions that can help us further down the road but the task at hand now so to to limit the the, uh, the greenhouse gas emissions from shipping now and to meet the uh, the imo 2050 demands that that is largely about uh, implementing technology that that we know that works that that we know how to handle that we have you know set rules and regulations for so that, that we know how to how to deal with these fuels safely and also um there needs to be a, a bunkering infrastructure available so you need to actually be able to get those fuels somewhere so the debate is really wide at the moment and there's a lot of talk about uh Various different fuels. Some may be a bit more, um, a bit more towards the future than than other options. Um, but but principally, that there's a few different options. So, firstly, you have the the uh, what you could call the sustainable liquid fuels. That means biodiesel, hydro treated vegetable oil. Anything that actually looks, acts and and behaves more or less like diesel fuel, which you can more or less with small adaptations just drop into the existing supply chain and existing vessels and you're done. Um, The problem with those fuels is that the availability is quite limited. So it's something that we can do, something that we can actually utilize, um, but we can't utilize it for all of the global fleet. And it's interesting to know that the global fleet, so all of global shipping together consumes 250 million tons of fuel every year. So this is not a small challenge, it's about big numbers and big availability. But so you've you've got these um, liquid diesel-like fuels on the one hand, and on the other hand, you've got uh, gaseous fuels. Um, Prime example being LNG. And um, whilst LNG from fossil source is obviously still a fossil fuel, and it still emits uh, CO2, Um, There is a really good and clear and and also fairly easy, at least from a ship owners perspective, transition path from utilizing fossil LNG through then changing over to bio LNG. So essentially upgraded and liquefied biogas. And then uh, also a next transition can be made towards uh, something called synthetic LNG, which essentially is LNG made from... um, hydrogen combined with uh co2 either captured from the atmosphere or from some kind of biomass process so it's it's co2 that was already in the atmosphere so we're not adding co2 to the atmosphere and and you basically combine that with hydrogen which you make out of of wind or solar energy and then you've got a, a renewable net zero emission fuel which is relatively easy to store, for which we have a bunkering infrastructure, for which we know the engine technology, for which we have all the safety regulations and experience in place. So that's sort of the other end of the the spectrum. And there's many, many other uh, options in between. Um, But by and large, those are the two two big routes that that shipping could take.
0: Okay, thank you. So if, if this was a presidential election and all these options were sort of running for president, which which would get your vote if you had to pick one for today?
2: For today and for tomorrow, LNG, no doubt. It's okay. uh, I mean the the, the benefits are, are are quite clear actually. So besides the fact that we need to limit uh, global warming, so we have this climate crisis ongoing, we also need to take care of of local emissions. And um, as luck would have it, shipping usually concentrates in in places where there's also a lot of people. No ports are usually very close to large uh, population centres, Rotterdam, for instance, or Shanghai or Hamburg, and we also need to do what we can to limit the the, the local impact of uh, of shipping on air quality, which which essentially influences people's health. Um, and also there, there's, there's really big benefits of using LNG as a fuel. So you you get uh, really low emissions of of uh, of NOx, of of sulphur and of particulates, which actually goes hand in hand with then reduced greenhouse gas emissions so there's uh, there's actually a lot to go for uh, for LNG
0: okay okay thank you and I know LNG is a topic close to Reta's heart she mentioned it in her introduction as well Um, and I just want to link that in with the issue of a fuel flexibility which is something that we're hearing quite a lot about I mean what do we mean when we talk about LNG for today and tomorrow, and then at the same time mention fuel flexibility?
1: Yeah, I think um, here, if we think of of the future and what we can do today, because we know that we need to act now, um, it's also the question of investments that we can do today. And here uh, we should find future, future-proof solutions to invest in. And uh, one of these is, of course, um, having an LNG, fuel gas supply system on board, and dual fuel engines, because uh, having LNG as the primary fuel, we can drop in these biofuels, as was mentioned by Sebastian, and the synthetic methane when available. And uh, also, LNG allows also the mixing of hydrogen into, into the fuel before we feed it to the dual fuel engine. Um, I think we can go up to 25% in that mixing ratio already today. So, uh, this is the fuel flexibility, because we don't know what what the future looks like, and I think we have to be uh, prepared for that. Yeah, 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 excellent.
0: Um, And and this topic of, of, you know, new buildings versus existing ships, is there anything that either of you wanted to mention when it comes to that?
1: Yeah, I think the challenge in in transition – from diesel or liquid fuels to the renewable fuels is often um, the density of the fuel itself, because there is no other way, um, or more efficient way to store energy than diesel or, or liquid hydrocarbon fuels today. Meaning that whichever fuel it will be in the future, it will take more space to store it than uh, what diesel, diesel requires today. And and there we have to look um, at the various segments we have because it's definitely easier to retrofit an LNG tank on top of a tanker or bulk carrier where you have a, an empty weather deck uh, than on a cruise where you have a sun deck for for the client. So in a way, we have to look at li- a little bit at different segments and based on that then make um, decisions um, by sectors.
0: Sure, sure. So there's not a one-size-fits-all solution here.
1: Yeah, definitely not. And of course, uh, nowadays LNG storage tanks are often located uh, just next to the engine room uh, when we design new builds. But uh, often that is not possible if you talk about retrofits. So then we have to look on these top deck installations.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay, so I mean, now we've we've talked about you know the current situation, the fuel alternatives that are available to us today to meet sort of current and immediately upcoming regulations. And then we've talked about, okay, how can we prepare a little bit for the future? Uh, but I mean, looking longer term, and Sebastian, maybe I'll address this to you. I mean, 2050 regulations, how how are we gonna get there?
2: What 2050 regulations, like I said, it, it's, it's mostly about technology deployment. And, and what you need to keep in mind is that even though 2050 sounds like a, a, a long time in the future, I mean, it's 30 years from now, but the average age of vessels being scrapped today is roughly 25 years so it's only let's say one vessel lifetime away which means that if you if you start thinking about a new build now um and and you have something that actually starts to operate let's say within 5 years from now that ship will still be around likely in 2050 so it will be a part of of the fleet in 2050 which will need to meet this uh, this quite stringent demand and um so but above all it's it's about massive, massive technology deployment, because it's not about just 10% of the ships or, or, or 20% of the ships that, that need to change something, um, but it's 70, 80, 90% of all ships that actually need some kind of adaptation or some kind of change. Uh, and then coming back to the, the, the discussion on retrofits as well, um, it's gonna be interesting to see where sort of the cutoff point is between investing in, in an aging vessel um, or retiring or scrapping that vessel a bit earlier and then replacing it with with a new build that that's probably those dynamics are going to change as well in the uh let's say in the upcoming few few decades so that that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out as well and where that balance is between you know extending the life of a vessel but then needing to invest more um versus just scrapping and building new
0: yeah yeah and and what do you guys think about you know the the possibility of of reaching these uh, these goals, as as you know, Vatsala or on its own as a company. I mean, or do you think? I mean, this sounds like a leading question, but do we? Can we do it alone, or do we need better collaboration in the industry?
2: No, we can, of course, not do this alone. It's. Uh, I don't think there's a single company operating in the industry that can actually do this alone. Um, we need to come together as an industry to to essentially. Work on fuel availability. Work on on infrastructure. Work on, on making these transitions actually happen. And um, there's a there's also an interesting dilemma between um, implementing technology today that we know that works of, so to meet 2050. But also we shouldn't forget about keeping up the pace of development of other options, which may come in at a later point in time. Um, but still, if we don't do that development work also now. Um, those fuels or those solutions will will come even later to the party so so um it's it's a sort of two-pronged solution it's it's one it's massive massive technology deployment in the market and the other one is actually keeping the development pace up but we should what we should not do is actually only keep that development pace up and do nothing now because then Mm -hmm. um you, you get lulled into this this um this sense of, of I'm actually doing something because I'm developing the next generation solution, but that won't be ready until, you know, 5, 10, 15 years in the, in, in the future. If you look, think about not just the engine technology, but also the infrastructure, also the safety regulations. So we need to actually start implementing technologies already today.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Oh, well, thank you both very much for your time today. Um, any, any closing comments from you? before we sign off uh, this edition of Which Is Why?
1: Yeah, I think uh, all in all, uh, the future will have a mixture of fuels at hand. Uh, It's not only one um, green fuel that we can use in the future. I think also the fossil fuels will stay uh, for a certain percentage. Um, Not all of them will be replaced. And um, it will be more um, distributed by, by the shipping sectors. Um, I think the biggest biggest effect is, of course, in the deep-sea operations, like containers, tankers, bulkers. Um, by, by doing the transition in fuels on those segments, uh, we will have the biggest influence on the emissions. But then again, in the short-sea operation, I think that is the perfect platform for testing out all the new technologies that are developed on the coastal routes. So... Yeah, let, let's see where it end up,
2: um, ends up. Okay. Yeah, and maybe also what 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 we shouldn't forget, of course, uh, Banu, is that um, we're talking about shipping as as uh, as as maybe as a bit problematic now, and we need to reduce emissions. But we also shouldn't forget, of course, the um, the, the the large, huge benefit actually of, of uh, shipping. I mean, it, it's brought a a uh, a huge increase in global welfare, global well-being, and. Um, a lot of, of people's livelihoods, uh, welfare and prosperity actually depend on shipping every day. So let, let's let's try to keep what is good uh, and then let's try to, uh, to, to make change happen, to, uh, to also do our fair share to solve this climate crisis.
0: Absolutely. That sounds, that sounds very good. Thank you very much, Rita. Thank you, Sebastian. This is Banu Cano signing off this edition of Which is Why? See you next time. podcast was brought to you by Wärtsilä. Enabling sustainable societies with smart technology.